Okay, hey everybody, welcome to the Rooftop Podcast, and I am super stoked to be talking with you today because our guest is somebody that I've wanted to have on this podcast for a long, long time, uh, Mr. Carl, Carl Bury. Um, I'm going to let him give you his backstory, but w- what I will tell you now is that that Carl, uh, in addition to being a professional actor, also a director, uh, also an acting coach, and I will tell you, very, very dear friend of mine, um, We've been together a long time on a very, very special project called Last Out, Elegy of the Green Beret. You've heard us talk a lot about it on the podcast and many other aspects of that body of work. But Carl has been involved in this from the very beginning. And now I'm proud and ecstatic to say that he's our director as we kick this thing off on a national tour as part of uh, the Gary Sinise Foundation's projects to to do military outreach. So it's just a, a really exciting time. And at the filming of this, we're really on, on the edge of kicking the tour off. So I, I wanted Carl to come on today and uh, just spend some time with us talking about um, his, his aspect and his perspective on storytelling is just astounding. And, and his ability to really just break down the, the essential elements of human connection, whether it's in a play or whether it's just in everyday life. And uh, I'm telling you, this, you're going you're gonna to love this ride we're on today. So, Carl, welcome. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Um, why don't we just jump in? I yeah, mean, uh, let's start. I'd like to just kind of, you know, give you give you the stick and just let you talk about um, how, just tell us a little bit about your journey growing up and how you came into the world of acting. Like, what took you down that path and, and what got you to where you are now? Yeah, I thought I was going to be a farmer for the longest time. <laughs> uh, growing up in Makes North... two of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. I grew up in uh, Northwest Ohio, and I, uh, we had uh, corn and beans and and uh, and hogs. So we were, I was uh, raised as a hog farmer, and uh, that we pivoted quickly from that. And uh, my mom used to take me to the theater, so I kind of fell in love with the theater. I didn't really know why. I was moved by it. I was moved by the story. I was moved by different worlds um, that were not mine, uh, and uh, I kind of endeavored over the last 30 years to figure out how I could be involved in in story and and, uh, the great writers of theater certainly gave me a better context about uh, what it was like to to kind of live in the world and I found what was moving and uh, yeah. So let uh, me take that back though because you went from hog farmer (laughs) to like lover of theater. I mean, do do you remember kind of the moment when that really hit you yeah that, that was that that was like what you wanted to do or that it was attractive to you yeah I'll never forget the moment uh, my mom took me to the Stratford festival in in Ontario in Canada and which is about three hours away yeah. uh, over the Windsor Bridge through Detroit there and into Ontario and um, saw a production of Richard the third and uh, kind of like how we're doing with the lights you know the the we were sitting there and people were you know kind of talking and and the lights bumped out hard and I thought wait what happened the lights went out and uh, kind of thinking about that in terms of our lighting design for the show and the lights popped up and you know Colm Fior came out and and said now is the winter of our discontent from Richard III and I thought what is what is this world Hmm. like completely transported immediately and over the course of uh, I think three days we saw probably, so we saw an evening show, afternoon show, three days we saw five shows. So 
an evening show, two shows on Saturday, two shows on Sunday. And, um, you know, I saw a production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof by Tennessee Williams. And I sat by myself and wept through the whole thing. Wow. I think I was 20. I just That's sat. a powerful, powerful play. Sat there and sobbed. And, yeah. I, and at 20, and I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying. Huh. I have no idea. Um, and, of course, you know, my mom was there and her, her friends. And, you know, of course, you know, being 20, I dried my eyes and didn't want to be called names. And we went to dinner, and I was just really quiet and, and stunned by the weekend. Um, right. It was just truly remarkable. Uh, and I thought, I want to do this. Yeah. I have no earthly idea where to go. I, I don't know who to talk to. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> How do I do this? It's just, you know. So I didn't. I didn't have the answer to the question that you asked. So I just thought I'm gonna. I'm gonna find a way, uh, on my own, and I did. And, you know, nobody said you know you should go to theater camp and you should take yeah. this acting class and you should go here. And I just kind of muddled about and. Um, but you don't, you know, I mean, like, just like anything else, there's there's industry stereotypes. Totally. Right? I mean, yeah. there are. Let's just yes. call it what it is. There are industry stereotypes for the military. Sure. For pro sports. Yep. For the entertainment industry and certainly for theater. Yep. And, you know, you have, in, in your career, you've worked with, I mean, not just rubbed elbows with, but you've worked sh sleeves up slogging it out with Frank Darabont, Jim Carrey. You've been trained by Larry Moss. I mean, mm -hmm. um, so, some of the best in the business. Mm -hmm. um, how the hell did you get, I mean, like, what was that like? And, and, and what do you attribute that to? Uh, effort, uh, determination. Um, you know, when I went to Larry, you know, 30 some odd years ago, I couldn't afford class. Right. I took out his trash, I vacuumed the floor, I drove him around. Mm -hmm. um, out of the kindness of, of, of his heart, because he knew my commitment. Yeah. Now, uh, now and, very, and very moving to quick, that. Quickly yeah. tell us about, because there's some people watching or listening that don't know uh, Larry Moss and, and kind of his contribution to the theater world. Can you, can you talk, and, and, and film and television, can you talk about that just a little bit? About yeah. him as a, as a human and, and what he's really brought to to the arena yeah uh, um you know he he's given a lot he he loves the work he started out as an actor he yeah. was very successful on broadway he was a great cabaret performer he's worked with the best of the best um and you know and he would tell you that he loves teaching and coaching um more than acting right so he said that he worked with neil simon on original plays and um and now he's, you know, a, a world-class acting teacher and, and a coach. Uh, but it was just sheer work ethic. Yeah. And it's 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 really um, finding, and one, one thing he learned from his teacher, Stella Adler, is finding a talent for your talent mm. and, and finding, you know, um, what you're good at yeah. and then deciding if you really want to stay at it. Yeah. And, that, and that's just sheer determination. It's sheer work ethic. And... Um, and commitment uh, and doing all the things that, you know, most successful people do, which is practicing because you love it and uh, not necessarily looking for a result. 
Right. But a result reveals itself. And that's what I mean that like when I think about you as the, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but just thinking about you as that like you're just such a non-industry stereotype in the sense that like you're the way you come at your craft Mm -hmm. and, and your work ethic and the way that you even think about connecting with other humans right. is not typically what you see in that world. Is mm-hmm. that a fair statement, or, or is that, is that an, me as an outsider no. basically relying on a stereotype here? You know, back to your earlier point, um, I was lucky enough to work with world-class performers. Yep. Uh, and it was, uh, I'll never forget this, I was working on Cat on a Hot Tin Roof in Larry's class, mm-hmm. and I got that call to do the Jim Carrey movie. And um, to get that part at five o'clock on, an a, on, a, on a Monday afternoon, to go into Larry's class at six o'clock, yeah. uh, do the warm up um, for class, and then be on stage on stage at six thirty, knowing that I just got the part of my life, right? And and just being kind of gobsmacked and going, "What is happening to my life?" Yeah. Um, and doing that that work, and he knew uh, that I got the part, um, and then so that was a Monday on Friday. I'm across from, you know, David Ogden Stiers, who was Charles from MASH, and James Whitmore, who uh, was um, Brooks in Shawshank Redemption, um, and Jim Carrey and Martin Landau. And knowing, and this is the point of the story, knowing, oh my God, I'm doing the same work that I did in that little studio in Santa Monica. Right with world-class performers, and I thought, okay, there's nothing fancy about any of this. We are just figuring out the moments, we're figuring out the humanity, we're figuring out the story, we're asking questions, we're doing another take if it didn't work out well. There was nothing magical, and coming back from, from Ohio thinking, oh, there must be like, you know, fairy dust and unicorns and lollipops. Right. And uh, foot massages. Did you move to L.A.? So when you decided to start, where did it take you? So I went to Ohio State. Yeah. And I got an undergrad in uh, in theater. Okay. And uh, I knew I wanted to be an actor, and I knew I wasn't good enough. So I went to drama school and got a master's of fine arts. And then out of that, I went to L.A. because I got an agent. Okay. And how I found Larry is um, I was bored and I couldn't get work. And I went to my agent and I said, I'm bored, I can't get work, I'm, I'm young. Um, and he called Jason Alexander and he goes, there's one person that he should study with and that's Larry Moss. And I reached out to Larry and uh, I couldn't get in. They said no, they yeah. said we, we can't. You're, you're not whatever. I don't know what it was. Right. And I was in a play, and uh, one of the older actors uh, heard my story, and he said, come with me on Monday night, and I'll get you in. So I walked in, I went through all the gatekeepers, and I met Larry, and he said, uh, I'd, love, I'd love to have you in class. All right. So that's how I got there. That's amazing. And, and I mean, to this day, there's still people that work with him that do that kind of work. That, yeah. That, you know, uh, uh, earn their key through sweat equity and, and just, you know, yeah, it's amazing. Really. He's really generous. Yeah. And he'll say, you know, uh, I really believe in your talent. And I'll find a way to, how, yeah. how, and he literally said this to me. He goes, I want to help you. Um, how can I help you? 
Wow. And that's how I started. So, you know, the way you and I met um, was around Last Out, but right. it was actually a guy that we both know, Bo Eason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually doing uh, storytelling work under Bo as a public mm-hmm. speaker, and, and he had written a play about his experience growing up as, mm-hmm. a, as, a, as a farm kid mm-hmm. and playing in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to know Bo pretty well, and, and he, he <clears throat> spoke often of Larry mm-hmm. and how Larry had... Um, Directed his play, his yep. one-person play, Run of the Litter, yep. and 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 at some point, it he had a lot to do with me beginning to write the play as a really as a way to kind of heal myself, mm-hmm. um, and he he insisted that I go because I wanted to, if I was going to do this I wanted to try and uh, perform it and I had never um, acted it in my life and at this point I'm pushing fifty, and he said you know <laughs> I know dude I like. And he said, you need to go to, and, and off camera, Wes here was one of the first guys that had read the script, you know, and, 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 and he believed in it, but he said, it's kind of the same thing, like, you're going to have to study with somebody. So Bo had encouraged me to go audit Larry's class mm-hmm. and <laughs> to just sit there and watch that. I, right. I'm watching these one people, most of them. 25 years old. Yeah, man, half my age. And I'm like, that alone is enough to get me to get up, get the fuck out of here because I do not feel like watching this right now. Yeah, totally. You know, seeing these, I mean, I should not even be in here. I felt like a complete imposter. And in fact, uh, was just about ready to leave when you came up mm-hmm. and like, it was very apparent by the look on your face. like, dude, you, what are you even doing here? Who are you? Um, but we had a conversation yeah. around, around my project. Yeah. And uh, do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I do, and I didn't know up until two weeks ago that you were going to leave. I was. I out. had no idea. I was out, man, because when when I saw that, when I saw the level of emotional access that Larry was demanding of those artists, I I just in how I grew up in the military and how yeah. I grew up in special yeah. forces, it was yep. the polar opposite of yeah. that. Like you 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 did not you did not put yourself out into the world that way, mm-hmm. and if you did. You wouldn't last very long right. in, in that. At least that was how I felt. I don't think that way of thinking is actually correct. I've since learned by working with you and, and, and Jesse and others that that's actually not true. But that's what I believed. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, was that, that you don't do those kinds of things. And to see that on display and to think that I was going to have to do that or even be put in a position that I might, right. I couldn't fathom that. Right, right. Did you experience anything similar to that when you were first put into that position? The thing, from from my perspective, is because we we talked about this, uh, came from such a degree of trauma yeah. that that when I started acting and performing, that I thought uh, that that was welcomed, hmm. and it was a it was a happenstance. Right. It, it was a byproduct because it was an, uh, a better way to put it, it was an inevitability because I didn't have a filter. Huh. So when I stepped on stage, the that. You know, and it, it it's just a reality. The 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 humanity and slash trauma that just poured out of my body. I didn't have any control of it. Right. So I thought, and and people were um, kind of riveted by it, um, and it, it was scary at first uh, because I didn't know it was happening. It was real. It was raw. Um, there was no skill to it, um, but it was undeniably human. Right. So that so I thought, well, wait a second. There's something in this. 
If I if my raw unfiltered expression uh, is welcomed, maybe I have a place and maybe I can make a living at this. And you've said to me that had you not been gifted the opportunity to pursue this craft, oh, it wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have lasted. I wouldn't have made it for very long. Yeah. I I I, I and I I don't say that. Uh, dramatically, it's it. just a fact. I just had such a. Uh, I don't know why, but it was. I have to. I have to uh, express this. If right. I don't express this, it, I'm not going to get through. I, I get it, man. And you know, Wes and I, when we did his interview, he said a very, very similar things. That that that, and even when his daughter was born, and yeah. he had, he, but he knew that he had, he still had, to, he had yeah. to express himself. Yeah. And Monty and I, my wife, when, when we when I wrote the play, we we had some knockdown, drag out fights, mm-hmm. and a lot of it was because, and we figured this out now, is that we were unearthing things that had been pushed down. Sure. Right. Years and years of our own individual yeah. trauma, but also right. just the, just the stuff about you know a long war and trying to. To, to, to make the best of it, mm-hmm. you had to push stuff down and we had moved on. And so this play was bringing all this stuff up. And I remember at one point, uh, Monty just, we were standing right at the front door and we were just yelling. And she was like, why do you feel so um, driven to do this play? Why? Why? I don't understand. And I just said, right, the only thing, words I could find is I'm going to die if I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I got to get it out. Yeah. And Larry and I have had many conversations about this, uh, and it's an interesting uh, perspective to go from a guy that was, you know, a wonderful acting teacher, and yeah. I was a lost young guy, and then to go from that to a, a to a mentor to now a, a, a very dear friend, and and that's a wonderful evolution uh, uh, of a relationship that I never had uh, in my life. Right. And now so that was really restorative for me to then to be able to build a skill set out of that raw material. And you have, yeah, I mean, clearly. Like you, you took that that raw trauma that was pouring out of you, and you've you've honed it and sharpened steel with it into into the craft that that you have today. Yeah. And now you teach it. Yeah. Is that is it fair to say that when you think about your is is the coaching teaching similar to how Larry feels about it? Is that is that similar with you as well? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, I, to this degree, there, it's not lost on me that he wrote that wonderful book, The Intent to Live, yeah. and that we're friends now. It's a great book, by the way. Yeah. Um, and not just for actors. No, I, for I life. It, it's yes. the same deal. Yeah. It's yeah. the intent to live. We were yeah. talking about today in rehearsal about right. an objective. What is your objective? Right. And uh, to be really talking about, you know, sharpening steel what is your objective what are you really after and can right. you can you keep paring out uh what's important yeah um and you know i certainly it took me a long time to kind of even get my head around that conceptually i understood it i just didn't know what to do yeah. because i was doing all that healing uh in my life in order to be able to you know kind of separate the wheat from the chaff and get to uh what i wanted to contribute frankly is what it came down to what did I want to contribute? Most importantly at the time, what did I need to express? And that's, I think, what you're talking about with Monty in, in terms of the play. Yeah. What do I need to get out of me? I need to get this out. Right. And, and there's no, it's kind of divine that way. Uh, I don't know why. I'm hmm. glad 
but I don't know why. I'm glad. I'm glad to meet you. Glad to work on Last Out. Glad to you know be in this room. Yeah. Uh, and 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 have a life. Right. Creative life. Yeah. Because without that, I was. Yeah, man. I, I get are we, it. What are we talking about? Yeah. And and I remember, you know, I you you said that what you said to me was I'm going to help you. And that's yeah. and that's that's really and I don't think you had. Uh, a clear idea of what that looked like, and I know I didn't, but I know it meant a lot to me. And, and at some point, not long after that, I sent you, you know, the first <laughs> version of the manuscript, and you very, with kindness, you wrote back to me something to the effect of, "Come to New York and let's talk." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and that's what we did. We came. I came up there, and you know, the script was in really bad shape. It was. In many ways, I feel like kind of that pouring out of, of trauma that, that yeah. you had done, although I had not even learned how to express it from the stage yet. In my words, it certainly felt, as I look back on it now, it was that. Um, what were you thinking when you first saw that, that manuscript and, and um, in, in, in that kind of in its raw form like that? You, you know, the thing, it's, it's a great question. I think it's, it's, I just look at that kind of stuff uh, as germinal. It's just, it's the beginning. So, so you're just you're just sussing things out. You know, you can pick your metaphor. You're panning for gold. It's germinal. You're you're, you're tending. You know, I'll get into some uh, agricultural metaphors. <laughs> 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 but but really, what I'm, what we're talking about is going. Oh, there's there's a seed of something. Yeah. Again, back to agricultural. There's a seed of something there. Yeah. And let's let's just like let's let's tend it. Let's look yeah. at it. Yeah. And and again, I think. Just something that I'm, you know, kind of revisiting, and again goes back to my relationship early, early days working with Larry, is uh, growth. Yeah, growth yeah. and and taking something and go. Well, there's something here. Right. And and I think you know um, what what I really respond to is people moving heaven and earth to live, yeah. and and to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those two goals, those two objectives, to go. Okay, am I really contributing? Right. And and you go, I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm right. just saying, like in terms of what I'm remotely good at, to to go. I want to get better at this, right. and then and then maybe contribute it. You know, contribute to it, whether it's you or 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 a student or a coaching client or or my latest TV or film gig or or you know my friends or, or, yeah. or my wife or, or yeah. all of those vitally important because it's all, uh, it's all grist for the mill. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, it's one or, or this is the other thing that was really helpful. What am I going to get out of this? You know, again, yeah. I'm not Mother Teresa, but it's like I didn't, I didn't go to you and go, what can I, how, how can I parlay right. this yeah. into anything? It's like, right. I'm fascinated by that story. Right. Like, how do you get through the day? Right. That's another question in terms of your art. Like, what are you doing to get through the day? What are we really doing? Well, I remember one of the things you made me do, and I was so pissed at you at the time. <laughs> you made me write out the, the timeline for the whole thing. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. You made me, like, it was the timeline from the time Danny, yep. uh, my character Danny, um, joined the military. Yep. All the way through. But that was by <clears throat> far one of the most impactful things about this whole developmental experiences because mm -hmm. it forced me to get specific. Yeah. It forced me to really look at, at, at granular context and it showed me for the first time that there actually was a story in there. Yeah. That could be structured. Yeah. Yeah. 
What? So, I can't even remember how many times we met, like in New York over mm-hmm. the course. But it's been years that this project's been in development. Yep. Um, when, when you think about last out elegy of a green beret now, when you think about it as 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 a story, as a project, as, mm-hmm. as, as what we're building, what what comes to mind for you, and what was it that led you to step into the role as director? It, it, first of all, to go back, uh, I love the story, and it, it's something that you and I talked about earlier today. Is like what Aaron Sorkin um, talked about, which is there's an objective and there's an obstacle, and as a storyteller. And listen, I'm not a, I'm not a writing teacher. I'm not a, I'm not a writer, but as I said to you, I can smell bullshit. Yeah. And if we're not really after what we say we're after, we're playing patty cake. Yeah. You know, and that's not what I'm about. That's not what's uh, interesting to me. It's like where are we going? Um, yeah. And I think one of the things I said to you is like you have to, as an artist, in my estimation, you have to grab an audience by the throat and you've got to put your foot right on their sternum. And go, you're going to watch this. Particularly for this show. Yes, particularly for this show. But that that's what really drew me to that. And like, how do you get through the day? How do you function? Right. What do you do to function? How do you do it? And so it, it really kind of opened up the scope for curiosity for yeah. me. To go, how do you get through the day? And what were, do you do? You were the first person that when you read it also saw that it was really intended for civilians and not veterans. Yeah. You know, even though I do believe veterans and military family members find meaning in it. And value. Yes. But it, it's really the civilians that this story is intended for. Well, I just didn't have context. And I'm fascinated by, by those stories. Like, right. how do you get through the day? Like, you know, when we went and, and were at the range, I had no idea um, that you had to load the magazines by yourself. Or maybe you didn't. But I did in that hot sun. Um, and, and, and the specificity of, of the callus on, the fi- on my fingertips when I got home. Yeah. I'm like, my fingers are sore. I can't remember the last time. Th- well, I can because it never happened. That my fingers were sore taking, taking bullets and f- right. <laughs> pressing them in. I'm like, <clears throat> you did this on a daily basis. I had no idea. Maybe you didn't being an SF, but it just, you know, looking at, at uh, I don't know, do you do it? Yeah. All the time. Yeah, right? Yeah. I thought you got boxes, and they just said, here, stick them in, and ma- right. maybe maybe you do, but... Yeah. And that's the whole idea, is, is to give that level of, it's just perspective. Right, totally. Right, it's totally. just trying to give perspective on a lived experience, and, you know, with where we are in the world right now, particularly with what happened with the Afghanistan abandonment and the way that's gone, is I feel, you know, my biggest fear is the page being turned on 20 years of war and and a lot of sacrifice that was done without the story being told. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, one of the things that you said to me, and I'll never forget it, it was pretty early on, was you said, you know, for you to tell this story, Scott, I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty jammed up by all of this stuff. You're going to have to do the total opposite. Mm -hmm of what you're trained to do. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if I were to be in SF or try to get into SF or, or whatever reason, I'd be, the, I'd be the guy that's compromising every mission. You know, I'd be the flip as opposed to the guy that's jamming it down. I wouldn't have been able to have the filter because of what you, what you talk about is pre-service trauma. And um, 
what you have to do, what you have to do is, is flip the script and go, okay, I'm going to open up my heart. And um, things that I've said to you and the guys is, you're the help. When people scream for help, uh, they're hoping somebody's going to knock down that door and help. Um, and I was, I was, you know, one of the guys that needed a lot of help. So it's, you know, defined terms. It's like, it's like calling a mechanic stupid. Right. Well, do you know how to fix the car? Well, no, then who's stupid? Right. You know, it's like, what's valuable? And it goes back to that. What's valuable? So, uh, b back to you, it's going, okay, um, you have to open up. You have to express yourself. You can't, you can't watch yourself. You have to contribute emotionally and not know. And that's the hardest thing, I think, is that's to... the definition of vulnerability is what you gave to me, was not knowing what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, I don't know what's in it for me. I don't know what the payout is going to be. Um, I don't know if I'm safe to express this. I don't know if I'm going to compromise the mission. Um, and I ask you... Um, what you feel like backstage before you go on stage and last out. And you said, or I said, do you feel um, nervous? Or, and you said, I feel much like landing on the X. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's, that can't be. And he said, no, no, it's that kind of, my life is in danger. Yeah, yeah. And you said to me, it's the safest place in the world. It really is, and I learned that from Frank Langella. Long huh. time. Uh, long story, the short version is, I was understudying on Broadway, and, and I was going out to the house to watch the show, and, and Frank waved me over, because he's discovered on stage uh, at the opening of the show, and he hits, sits down, sit down next to me. And I'm like, Frank, they're about to raise the curtain. And he says, no, 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 sit down. What are they gonna do, fire me? I'm like, oh, that's a good point. They're not gonna fire you. You're a theater legend. So I'm sitting there, and he's listening. He goes, let's just listen to that. So we're sitting behind the Broadway curtain, and he goes, isn't that great? People were, you know, talking, and, you know, the Broadway, it was a packed house. And he goes, I want you to know something. This is the safest place in the world. Nobody can hurt you up here. Yeah. Nobody can hurt you. And I was like, wow, this is safe. He goes, you need to go now because we're about to start <laughs> That's awesome, man. But, you know, that's what I've always <laughs> loved about the way you coach and teach is you know, not one time ever in our years together did you ever look at me or treat me as if I were a novice or as mm -hmm. if I were less than right. or, or someone not worthy mm -hmm. of pursuing the craft. Now, I mean, like you were hard on me and you still are, uh, in, in the pursuit of what needs to be done, mm -hmm. right. The, the way you are with our whole cast, but mm -hmm. you never once, um, gave any indication that I, I was not capable right. of, of stepping into the, the performance of this role, even though I was starting very late in my life. Why in God's name would you take that approach with someone? Cause it's human and you had something profound to say. <clears throat> so it's to to me it transcends. Oh, you're an actor. You went to Yale, or you 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 know you've been on Broadway, or it it just doesn't matter. And and I've said to you whether it's a coaching client or or directing something or or um, being in Larry's class, and I learned it from Larry, is that um, if somebody's human, you can't teach that. You can kind of guide the instinct, and you had an instinct for it, and it's easy to guide. 
as opposed to let me be a highfalutin acting teacher and just get lost in the dogmatic approach of acting and oh that's not this teacher that's not that teacher I'm like let's just focus on what's human mm -hmm. and what the story is and and uh, and the full expression of it because I remember sitting at Shetler Studios on on 54th and Broadway in New York and going you just kind of kicking the ideas back and forth. I'm like, hey, you should write that one. You're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, Monty's not going to like that. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, no. And you have to go back to the hotel room and kick it around because yeah. you're only going to be there for another 24 hours. And yeah. We're going to meet the next night. <laughs> like, let's read that and stand up on stage. And, <clears throat> and the room was probably... You know, a third of the size of this. Oh my God! Yeah, and, and, and I'm sitting was, right here, almost was, just like this. And it was such a long <clears throat> process. Like I think yeah. back on it now, it was years. Yep. But I, you know, I, I, I always felt like you could see the end game. Like you could see what was possible for this thing, which, right. which I couldn't in some ways. I, I often struggled and wondered if if there would ever be a, a realized performance of this thing, but. Um, you don't know. You don't know. You really don't know. And that's that's the difference between people that stay at it because regular people will go, what's it going to get you? What's the payout? Yeah. You're like, well, the payout and what's it going to get me is a full expression of this. Yeah. And unless you're particularly um, afflicted, you won't do it for long. You'll go, you know what? There's an easier way. Yeah. I think when we took the, the when we took it on tour and and you know Chris Vetzel the infantryman that was blown up in Iraq and buried alive he's driving the U-Haul van with his combat buddy Jimmy a single amputee on his leg and they put twenty eight thousand miles on the van. I mean it's astounding. You know and we went to places and and basically we performed in cafeterias and and theaters and everything in between but we did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was the it. island of misfit toys but we did it. Um, and we would, I would come back up to New York and, and dial in with you and, and, you know, you would give notes and step us through, but, um, it was, it was a grind, but to your point, there was something just liberating about just stepping into the arena, not asking for permission and just doing it. You just do it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing fancy about it. You just do your work and, and understanding the work and getting better and better. And I forget who it was, um, it's it's a lot of actors that or performers or then you know just in life now getting older <clears throat> in my life is uh, tolerating what you perceive to be a mistake, hmm. and the things that you might perceive to be a mistake are probably gold. <laughs> so it takes a particular, I don't know, particular something to follow that and to go, okay, that's not great. And if I listen to everybody else, I won't follow that. But I like last out in my mind right now. I'm like, there's something there. Yeah, I find it interesting. And something I said to Larry over dinner not that long ago, maybe a month ago, and he said, "How's it going?" I said, "You know, I like it. Yeah. I like it." He goes, "Well, that's what matters." Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I've always, I love to watch you coach other people because I can like just listen. And one of the things you were coaching Brian today is mm -hmm. he was doing a read through and, and you made this comment and I think this parlays into life and I'd like to get your thought of it. But you said, Brian, you've really come a long way mm -hmm. in your ability to tolerate yourself. Yeah. What do you mean by that? It, it's, it's exactly what I couldn't do as an actor or as a human being. Cause I just didn't have the tools and 
you know, you could fill in a lot of blanks there, but tolerating yourself to go, okay, that's me. That's what I need to say. That's what I need to express. Um, and be honest about what really goes on instead of going, oh, let me hide that. Let me hide that aspect of myself. Let me not say that. Uh, to go, no, I really do think that. Yeah. And something I say when I teach and, and coach and, and then when I'm doing that for myself, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to think. I know what I'm supposed to do. But this is what I really think. Yeah. And this is what I really want to do. And, and to accept that, that, that swath of humanity in there, and in there, there's where you can find your work, hmm. uh, and the so and, and, and the freedom of that. But if you're trying to do it right, if you're trying to hit the bullseye or thread the needle, you pick your metaphor, you're going to miss the wonderful uh, frayed edges, as I like to call it, the frayed edges of of finding authenticity in art. Hmm. You're going to just too busy trying to do it right. Be good. Yeah, be good, and 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 have Wes say, "God, that was great." I mean. Of course, people want you to think you, you. You want people to think you're great, but that cannot be the end game, and that's why it's such a pickle to be a creative person. Because all anybody wants to do is, or no, rather, do you make money, yeah. and do other people think you're important? It runs counter to the culture, really. Right now, more than ever, and I, that's why I, I, I think for me, I, it's like I've started saying to people that I am an artist. And, and it was something that I was not even saying as recently as a year and a half ago. But I do believe myself to be an artist. I know Wes is an artist. We have yeah, quite a few right, creatives right. in our team. And I believe a, a lot of people watching this podcast are creatives yeah. and are artists, even if even if they're ju if it's just starting to bubble up. It, what I, you know, I know you and I both are avid readers of Pressfield. Right. And, Huge. you know, his book, The Artist's Journey, Mm -hmm. You know, where he talks about um, the, the journey that happens in the wake of the hero's journey, mm -hmm. where we actually are awake mm -hmm. and we, we almost kind of know what we're doing in that, that latter phase of our life when we have the opportunity to create. Do you feel like that's kind of where you are now in your life, that, 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 that you really are on that kind of that artist's journey? Yeah, well, well, to piggyback on that, what I, what I, where I am right now is I'm not worried about so much because time's running out. Um, <laughs> what 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 people say and what I'm here's the other thing too as a as a young person that I was thinking about. Uh, I'm supposed to value what somebody else values, and if I don't value what an agent says or a manager says or yeah. or 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 somebody in show business, what I think they think I ought to do, and that's what I mean about oh, that's what they think I should do, so I should think that, but I really think this, and then I really feel this. So I didn't honor that. So it just created a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Because I wasn't really honoring what I wanted to do. And that's why I said that to Larry at dinner, uh, that I wasn't honoring what I loved. Mm. And so when I said, and I thought, well, it might be kind of risky to go, you know, I really like this. I really yeah. like the show. And people are like, oh, why, you know. I'm like, oh, you really want to know what this is going to get? I'm not thinking about that. I'm engaged in it. Um, and I, I remember when I was, we were working on Zoom, um, I don't know, a couple months ago, and I finished after we were rehearsing uh, for the day, and I went into the kitchen, and, and my wife and I were talking, and uh, I thought, I just worked. I worked a full day. I'm done. And as a creative person, 
to think, oh no, I have to now. I have to go to work because I just did yeah. my creative stuff. So yeah. I have to go work now. I'm like, oh God, I just did that. Wow, I yeah. just worked. It's a beautiful thing, man. It really I is. I agree. It's. I think it's some of the most pure work out there when you're able to to do that. Right. And and, and uh, well, let's stay with the play for a second yeah. because I think people, you know, we are getting ready to, to take this thing on tour. It's going to go to a lot of places. We're going to be connected to the Gary Sinise Foundation as we do it. And again, in a time where we're, you know, the, the country is really going through a lot uh, on a whole range of levels, but certainly with what happened in Afghanistan, the close of the longest war in our history, um, several million veterans who are asking themselves some very hard questions now, and a lot of Americans who are looking at what happened and shaking their heads. And 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 this this play, this story, last out is poised to go into a lot of these communities. What is it about Last Out from your perspective, Carl, as the director, as someone who has literally been with this thing from the, the beginning, what is it about the play that you believe a lot of Americans will be surprised about or what, what they might find when they, when they go to this show? It's something that you've said uh, um, a few times that it's an, emo an emotional breaching tool. It's an emotional breaching tool uh, to connect us. In terms of the, the show, on a macro level, that's kind of what I've been thinking about, that we're kind of all in this together. Mm -hmm. So it really is an immersive kind of an event uh, in the theater that we're civilians, we're uh, military wives and right. spouses and, and veterans and um, um, all, all, all walks of life. Um, so it's not one or the other, and you know, you talk about in groups and out groups. It's like, well, can we just look at the scope right. of us just coming together and understanding a, a shared humanity, as opposed to, well, that's wrong, and that's you're supposed to think this, and I think this, and you think this, and aren't you evil, and no, aren't you pure, and and it's kind of looking at as I'm talking about this tonight, frayed edges. Yeah. Can we uh, just look at art from a from a frayed edge point of view, yeah. can we look at life? Because it's not neat. Right. It's it's not neat. You're not going to find interesting human interaction where people are comfortable, where they tolerate themselves. Yeah. So I can't tolerate myself. So it must be Wes's fault, or I can't tolerate myself. Well, that's your fault. I'm like, why don't you sit with it? Yeah, and and we definitely give the audience the opportunity to sit with it. And they, so, but yeah, but the cast is also unique <clears throat> in the sense that you were intimately involved in the casting. You and I did it together. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people are surprised to learn that, or maybe they're not, that the bulk of the cast are not only mostly veterans. There's mm -hmm. some military family members, but the preponderance of the cast has done either a very limited amount or mm -hmm. no acting. Yeah. Prior to this project. Talk about that and why that matters to you, or if it even does. It does matter to me because, again, I go back to what I said earlier. It's it's um, what's fascinating to me is what's human, not what's in a book, not what you're supposed to think, not who trained you, not what initials you have after your name. That's great, but if you can't be a human being and and, and be in now and tolerate yourself. I don't know. It's not something that I'm terribly interested in. So you have somebody like Chris Vetzel, who, at your on your dock, did some of the best acting to this day I've ever seen. Yeah, and and he was talking about 
He didn't want to do. He did not want to do the. Play. Wasn't interested. It was just was really a little upset that we had asked him to do it, and we asked him why down on the dock, and this was shortly after the Afghan collapse. Yep. And he said that he was embarrassed for people to know that he was a soldier, as a result of what happened in Afghanistan, and it was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to sit and listen to because I've known Chris for a long time, and he's always been super proud of his service in Iraq, of his you know, but he felt at that time. That 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 the the level of moral injury he had experienced was uh, was causing him embarrassment for mm -hmm. people to know that he had served in the war and mm -hmm. and uh, you and I just kind of looked at each other and I'll never forget it. Yeah. I'll, I will never forget it. It's still some of the singular best pieces of work I've ever seen mm. because he was so human. He it, there, there there was nothing there wasn't anything self conscious about it. It was just a free, open hearted expression of humanity yeah so i i personally would rather watch that than somebody that's that's polished and and smooth out all the frayed edges because it's not it's not the show right. the show is raw it's visceral it's surprising um it, it's it, entertaining yeah and it makes you think and you don't feel lectured to or how you're supposed to think right. so it has a lot of elements and back to your original question, uh, I often say to people that uh, are new to acting that have that level of humanity, I'll walk through a wall for them yeah. in terms of what I know, what I can do, in terms of my effort, you know, because that's the way I was taught. Yeah. Talent, talent aside, um, uh, Larry said something, Larry Moss said something to me, very interesting to me um, early on. I think it was in my mid-twenties. He said, you know why I think you're extraordinary? And I said, no, I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you see an answer to your life. You see the answer to your own life. And I thought, I'm going to write that down because I'll forget it because I don't know mm -hmm. what that means. But I think what he meant was, you have a path. And it's not going to be easy. And, but you found something that you love, something that speaks to you, and yeah. something that you have an inkling that you might, again, be able to contribute something yeah. and not just get. Yeah. And he goes, you'll probably get more than your wildest imagination if you just keep thinking about contributing. Mm. And, and from an artistic standpoint, from a human standpoint, um, it doesn't make any sense to most people. Yeah, but the... It sure does to me, and I know it makes a lot of sense to people that are checking in with mm -hmm. this. I, I really believe that because I believe there, there are a lot of people that are drawn to that kind of generosity. Yeah. I think there's more out there than we recognize. And then I think there's people who are drawn to it who, like in the still moments of the night, they know that's, that's right, mm -hmm. but the culture just bombards them with the, you know, the opposite of that. But, you know, when you... So, Carl, when you, when you put this cast together, though, and... You start. We just started. We've only been at this for four months. Closer to in pockets, yeah, not even. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it four months. It's yeah. like a few days here and a few days there. What is a day in the life, though? Like, a, you know, because all you know, there's some there's several actors, in, including myself, that have have not done a ton of work, um, you know, in the theater. What is a day in the life like? What does it require? Because uh, some people might think this is like an after school. Special with oh look at the cute veterans doing a play, but Carl Bury's not going to sign off on something like that. What, no. what, what does it take 
uh, for this cast to lean into this and perform at the level that you expect them to perform? What's a day in the life like? What do they got to do? Uh, first of all, they have to decide that they want to be that human. And, 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 and to be that expressive and, and to tolerate themselves in terms of, of, of that expression as opposed to, oh, this is a play. And I think a lot of people, and myself, uh, and I put myself firmly in that camp of, well, I'm not an actor because I grew up on a farm. Mm. So that's not where actors come from. <laughs> that's kind of my original point. Right. That, yeah. That's not where actors come from. So, so how dare you? Mm. So kind of, you know, getting through that in yeah. terms of the performers to, to work through. All that resistance. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of things that, that made me, you know, while you were talking about that. Um, recently I heard Steven Spielberg on a, on a podcast or an interview. And he said that uh, typically what happens in an artist's life is what you're supposed to do doesn't scream at you. It whispers to you. It whispers. Oh, that's so good. You, you, you're yeah. not, not what you're yeah. supposed to do. It doesn't yell at you. You don't. You just have to oh, listen. That's so you good. have to listen to the whispers. Yeah, man. And that's kind of that's kind of what yeah. I think about. Less, you know, uh, I don't worry about uh, so much what people are saying. I'm interested in it. So Stephen Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield in um, Turning Pro, wrote um, a screenplay. He said he finished it, finally finished it, got through the resistance, you know this story? Yeah, yeah. And he sent it in, and it got turned down. And this is the thing, because it wasn't good enough. <clears throat> now, people can go, oh, I'm not good enough. I struggle with self-worth. I'm like, no, no, no. There's actually uh, a tangible marker uh, to look at and go, okay, well, what does that mean to be good enough? Well, you're not going to know until you stay at it long enough mm. and tolerate your mistakes. I remember when we were, you first started training me, and we were doing something, and, and we were talking about crying on the band, <laughs> and you just did it, yeah. like right there, because I challenged you to do it, and you did it right there, and I, was, and I was like, how in the hell do you do that? And what did you say? Time served. Absolutely time served. Yeah. Miles on the road, yeah. just over and over and yeah. over and over and yeah. over. Yeah, Wes and I call it running the miles. Yeah, you know? there you go. And, and it's it. uh, talk about the the breath training that you have the team do the cast. Yeah, Jesse Torgerson, a, a wonderful, wonderful human being, and 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 breath uh, coach, breath therapist, uh, dynamic breath work, uh, and I found her through a lot of good things in my life through Larry Moss mm -hmm. and and I went to her and she just talked about something that were, uh, were very um, simple cues dropping on the exhale and and not making anything wrong that comes out on that exhale um, it's not easy no and, and one of the things that when you brought this up to me I thought man again another thing no way yeah, you know, not gonna. It's just it's 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 just a little bizarre for me. Um, but but when I did talk, to, you know, Jesse, she you know she meets with you first and she explains what the breath work is, and she said something that really resonated with me. She said tension is the enemy. Yeah, you know, and in this instrument, you've got to have the accessibility to your emotions, and 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 you even said like for you to 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 give the audience what they're going to need, you're going to have to take all that armor off. Yeah. Yeah. And breath is the only way that's going to give you the access. It's to that. the engine. Yeah. It's the engine. 
It's yeah. what you're looking for. Because one of the big things I learned from her is you're always feeling something. And the mind discounts it. Yeah. Not enough. Oh, I'm not crying enough. Well, you know, when it comes to acting, it's like weather. It comes and goes, which is why you can't count on getting blows there. Blows in and blows out. Yeah, blows in. If you're lucky, it blows in and blows out. And some people just hang out in their storm. Yeah. They just hang out. And they think it's them. It's a longer conversation. It's a deeper conversation. But people get lost in what they think is them as opposed to what's happened to them. Right. And breath allows, <clears throat> what is it that that's happening there that, that, that to the body? Uh, I mean, we, we stay, we stay, we talk about this at Rooftop all the time. We talk about how we, we basically walk around in the world today in a sympathetic state. Mm -hmm. Like we are in a trance-like state of highly aroused either fear or anger or mm -hmm. both. Mm -hmm. And it's not even natural. Like it, our ancestors, if they went into a sympathetic state, it was because a threat was coming mm -hmm. at them. It was episodic. You you go you rise to that threat, you deal with that threat, and then you drop into a parasympathetic mm -hmm. state and the body unwinds. It knows what to do. Mm -hmm. But these days, we're all walking around in the red all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the breath mm -hmm. unwinds that. Right? It really does. It really does. And and it and it sounds um, kind of ephemeral. It sounds kind of groovy. And as what I said earlier, we're always in some state of of a state of being. And when people really feel alive, it's um, you'll appreciate this. I think it's like people are like strumming away, and they're they're playing an electric guitar, but it's not plugged in. And then they plug in and they, they hit that first chord and they're like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like, well, that's available. It's like understanding from an acting standpoint your instrument yeah. and what it's capable of. And and uh, and uh, we're capable of more than we think we are. I've come to believe, Carl, that, and you've taught me this, but I've worked to move it further into life. Mm -hmm. I believe this instrument, yeah. you know, I, I teach... Federal law enforcement, I teach sales professionals. I think this thing should be thought of as an instrument yeah. for all of that because we are social creatures who must connect to meet our goals and navigate the world. Right. Right. And it's this instrument that allows us to do that or not do that. And if we're holding tension all the time and we're jammed up in that trance-like state, no, you look like you don't trust yourself. No one can connect with you. And that's not tolerating yourself. That's right. You're just not tolerating yourself, and 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 you're trying to thread the needle, or or making yourself wrong is what Jesse talks a lot about. Right. You're making that wrong. You're making that expression wrong, or you're making that very simple sensation wrong. I'm a little uncomfortable. We'll breathe into that. I don't want to breathe into that. It, it, I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Well, you're in the future, and it gets into you know. There's many many ideas of, of of breath and what that can give you but i like i like hers it makes sense to me um that we're constantly feeling some physical sensation um and the mind wants to discount it the mind wants to say that's not enough yeah and that's what happens in acting you're like oh i didn't cry enough i'm like well it doesn't matter but the person in the third row is sobbing hmm. like i didn't feel well that you're an instrument and that's that's my whole ethos is of as an actor is to like, you take the material, like your play, you take the material and the actor puts it through their instrument and they give it to the audience. And yeah. we're hopefully, whatever training, it's a free conduit to the material, to the audience. 
Is it safe to say that that's really true for any storyteller? Good, yeah. If you're really highly functional, I think, yeah. my, my whole idea is At that, least as an aspiration? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's to so then you move heaven and earth. Uh, what do I need to do to tolerate myself? Uh, what do I need to do to kind of get everything on the rails and, and kind of get the, the light board all lit up? Right. You know, uh, and from an acting standpoint, it's going, it's knowing yourself to go, this is what I need to clean up in my life. This is what I'm not so good at. Right. You know, and being honest with yourself to go, you know, I'm really kind of self-destructive because a lot of actors or creative people can be very self-destructive yeah. for a myriad of reasons, but one of which is not tolerating so yeah, so what when you think about when you think about the play, when you think about where the country is, what the veteran community has been through, the Afghanistan piece, what are your aspirations for the play? What do you see or what would you like to see this play do at an impact level? Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited the to bring the civilian um, aspect into it yeah. where it really rocks them. Yeah. Because that's the other thing working with you guys on a multitude, whether it's going to the range or going to rehearsal or listening to Chris on the dock, yeah. looking at, uh, again, what I said earlier is we're in this together and that's not, oh, kumbaya. It's like, we really are. And we have to find a way to, 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 uh, to do that in, in, in the story. And I think the story does it beautifully. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, again, the needle doesn't have to be threaded and, and we don't have to hit the bullseye. People can do like, um, people can feel like I felt watching Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I don't know why I'm crying. Yeah. I don't know why I'm sobbing. There's no language for it. No. I'm just feeling it. But, you know, when you hear, uh, it, it'll make me emotional thinking about it. Rest easy, brother. Mm. Rest easy, brother. When he says that line. Every time. I lose it. I just, I'm just like, yeah, I'll tell yeah. him, rest easy, brother. I'm just mm -hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. You'll have to see the play to know what he's talking you about. You have no idea what yeah. I'm talking about. But you will. But, but I mean, it's, yeah. that's really it. I so that's, that's, that's the thing. it, right? That's the, that's the essence of it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who taught you. It doesn't matter, you know, Yale School. It doesn't matter. Julio, it doesn't matter. And you know what Chris has told me about <clears> that <throat> scene is that for him, it's, it's a moment where, he can speak to the guys that he lost and, and, and he can speak to them every time and he can say that to them. And it just, for me, that, that just, the fact that, that our team is mm -hmm. able to do that mm -hmm. and experience that through art right. and then allow the audience to make meaning out of that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if it, it, it does. It, does it get any better than that? I don't. Terms, I know? don't think so. You asked me, well, you know, what, what the what the, the the meaning of the piece is and the longevity and what what brings me to it. It's that. Yeah. It's the best of art. Yeah. It's the best of art. Yeah. And uh, and one of the things I said to Chris, <clears throat> and I say it to uh, a lot of actors. I'm like, I just think about that poor mechanic that got drugged to the theater, that doesn't want to be there. And, I, and, and when I'm acting live, I think about that person. They just don't want to be there. Yeah. And I'm going to tell them that story. And I'm going to see if I can yeah. tell them a story that they go, you know what? This is pretty good. I want to stick around for that. Yeah, I had a lot of infantrymen <clears throat> come up to me in Marines 
as we were touring yeah. in 2019, and they would say, I don't go to plays. Right. This was great. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I no, mean? Totally. And and it's it really it really hits home because they typically don't. But this story hit them. And it goes back to what I was saying. I'm like, oh well, I'm I'm you know I'm a farmer, and yeah. you know I, I this isn't for me. How about that? This isn't for me. Art isn't for me. A story isn't for me. Last out isn't for me. But it but it is because I love it, yeah. and that's the whole point. Yeah. So why do we do it? Well, we love it. Well, why do I love it? Well, that's up to me. Yeah. That's none of anybody's business, but I just happen to love it. Well, I want to end on one question, and we have so many storytellers in mm. our in our arena mm -hmm. who, in a variety of industries, private sector, public sector, mm -hmm. the, the arts, but also sales. But they're storytellers, and they all and and they value the essence of storytelling. And we talk about it a ton here because I believe it really is essential to the bridging trust that we need to put in place as leaders to aspire to be better storytellers. Mm -hmm. you, are, you are a storyteller from way back. Mm -hmm. you, you study it, you practice it. What, in your own words and description, if someone's watching this who wants to be a better storyteller, what, would you, what advice would you give them about what to, what to think about and do on that wonderful journey of becoming a better storyteller in their life? That's a great question. Wow. Um, what do you want to say? What's on your mind? What's whispering to you that you go, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have the courage to say that, but I really think it. <laughs> but I really feel it. And it's like taking that next step. Um, whether you're in the middle of the ocean, you're like, you know what? I believe in this, so I gotta burn the boats because if I don't, I, I'll just get in that life raft and go back to. Uh, I have, I have to say this. I have to express this. Yeah. And, and and don't let oh I nobody taught me or I'm not good enough. I'm like, I have to express this. Yeah. Express it first. It's kind of like what we did. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, write that. Write that letter to. Write that letter to Cliff. Yeah. Write that letter to. You know. Yeah. Um, that's that's part of it. What do I need to express? But, oh, and I think this was one of the things Bruce Springsteen said. Somebody asked him the difference between a good song and a great song. Have you heard this one? He said a good song is something that you have a hard time admitting to the world. I said, oh, okay, that's good. Uh, what's a great song? Something that you have a hard time admitting to yourself. Yeah, I actually and said I, that in my TED Talk. Yeah, yeah. right. And I, and I think it's, or I heard it from him in yeah. an interview, so yeah, he probably stole it from somebody really smart. No, I think really it's smart. been out there a while. I, I love it. I think it's absolutely true. So, so that's what I would say, just, you know, not being an, you know, being an expert storyteller, but somebody that's, that's interested in that. And, and, and I really think it's for the audience and, and the engagement of the audience. I'm like, what's, what's on your mind if you're writing something? Well, you'll find a million reasons and read any of Stephen Pressfield's books, a million reasons why resistance is going to win. And then decide, and that really is a decision, decide if you want to tell the story, decide if you want to tolerate yourself while you're working on the story, and um, share it. Mm. And those are all knockout punches. Yeah. Those are all showstoppers all the way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just... I'd rather go to the, get a coffee. 
You just a million reasons why you're going to talk yourself out of expressing. Yeah. yeah. Expression. That's all. Express. What do I want to say? I don't know. Great. You'll just keep asking yourself. That was one of the biggest things that Larry said to me in, in class. He said, what's the feeling? I'm like, I don't know. He said, just keep, I, I said, I don't know. I don't know. And he kept saying, why? What, 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 why? How do you feel? How do you feel? I don't know. And he goes, just, that's okay. Just keep saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And you're going to get mad. You're going to cry. You're going to laugh. You're going to get frightened. And then you're going to write it down. And that's going to reveal itself because things whisper to you. They don't scream at you. So good, man. So, well, that, that's what I would I love it. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, I, I think as we close out here, um, you know, you took a huge, huge chance uh, on me when I was at a really vulnerable point in my life with this storytelling thing and this project that I felt like if I didn't do, I would die. Now, you know, you've, you've, you've invested yourself in this entire cast and this project. And it's just, you know, on, on behalf of everybody, you know, I can't thank you enough for what you've Gifted to us, man. You've given us the ability to take this story, I just think, to a whole new level. You know, I just, I, I really believe that. I, I, I think that it, it's going to serve so many people, but I don't think we could have got there. I know we couldn't have. Uh, if you hadn't given us the tools to open this this sucker up and, and, and share, as you said. Um, so, I, I mean, I just, I, I, want, I want to thank you for that. And I hope that everybody watching, um, you will you will find a way to get to a show. We're going to be on tour for a year, lastoutplay.com. The tour stops will be posted there. And um, do everything you can to get to one of those shows because it's, it's it's super powerful. Anything that uh, you want to say to our viewers, listeners, that we didn't cover about connection and story? and No, just, but basically, you have to participate. <laughs> you have to participate in your life. Um, and I resisted it for... For most of mine, <laughs> same. I just resisted it, man. I was just, yeah. I was just like, you know, participate. And people are going to think what they want to think. It's none of my business. Yeah. And I just fought that for so long. Yeah. And and I, I fought my own expression. And wh what do I want to say that maybe somebody else is like? You know what? I think that too. No, no kidding. I'm not alone. That's the other thing I wanted to say, that you're not by yourself. That's right. So one of the things Jesse says but to you guys when we first started doing this work, there's no suffering in silence. You don't get points as a veteran to suffer in silence. Yeah. Share. Yeah. You're not alone. Amen to that. And check in on each other. Look each other in the eyes. And particularly right now, this is a, a very, very uh, tough time for a lot of people. So Carl, really appreciate you being on, brother. You're the best, man. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody for listening. Appreciate all that you do. We'll see you next time on the rooftop.